Welcome to the Full Potential Podcast. I am your host, Nick Wagner Sr. And every week, I interview guests that share career stories, ideas, and experiences to empower and inspire people to reach their full potential. If you enjoy the episode, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, including Apple Podcasts, Google, and Spotify. Thanks for listening. And I'm super excited to be with uh, someone who I now consider a friend. And I will say, I will say this before we start, Pete. I often don't meet people, and after I meet them, say, wow, I feel underaccomplished. But when I met you and David Salinas, that's exactly how I felt, um, which, is a, which is a rare thing, because you guys have done so much in your short careers. So I'll, uh, we'll, we'll dive into all of that. But I, I want to welcome Pete Cena to the show tonight. So Pete, thanks for joining. Pleasure. Good to be here. And uh, so every Sunday night, we do this, 8 o'clock Eastern time. Uh, we record the show live and we stream it to LinkedIn and YouTube. And then uh, we take the audio and we just turn it into the podcast, the Full Potential Podcast. And then I release it on all our favorite podcast platforms. So uh, as I was telling Pete, we'll make sure that we get all of his details with uh, his LinkedIn, personal LinkedIn page and Digital Surgeons, the company that he owns. We'll link those in the show notes. And then we'll share this on uh, the YouTube, uh, the full YouTube recording tomorrow on all the in, in social media pages, and then we'll share the podcast, which is on you know Google Podcasts, Apple, Spotify, et cetera. We'll share that on Tuesday. So, so Pete, um, let's let's kick it off. I, I love asking this question. So let's say pre-COVID, you go to a, a trade show or, a, or a, a conference, and you meet someone for the first time. What, sure. is the, what is the two-minute elevator pitch when someone asks you, who is Pete Cena? Um. Not to be confused with the guy who does who body slams people, John Cena. Um, yes, are you? Are you not related? Are you? No. I'm, oh, okay. So, so my last name is Senna. It's funny. I never correct people, but I just had this great visual of being a WWF superstar, and I guess I'll return to my normal self now. Um, it's a great question, and I think it really depends on who I'm talking to. One of my first things that I would like to do is I, I've never really been the extrovert um, networker type. So for me, I would like to know who I'm talking to. So depending on who I'm talking to, uh, I'll typically reveal a part of myself that I think is similar to that person. So you and I both have a big passion for technology. So if I met you and you were chatting and I knew that you were had a background in IT and leadership, I would start to tell you about what I do with businesses, which is help people design marketing calendars and marketing solutions and technology solutions to build their brand. So I would probably keep it very simple or parochial. But if I'm at a conference with a bunch of designers, I would say I'm a design founder and entrepreneur. I run an innovation marketing company called Digital Surgeons, and we help drive businesses of all shapes and sizes forward. So you'll notice like there's a, there's a big difference depending on who I'm talking to, just to make sure that I'm not spitting a bunch of buzzwords that don't mean something, that, nothing to something. You know? I, think, I think what you said is spot on. I think kind of depending on who your audience is and who you're working with, what you what you tailor the conversation to, it varies, right? So absolutely. Um, you mentioned, you know, you mentioned you're a big fan of technology. I know you're a big fan of cars. So let, let's talk about the technology piece. Have you been a fan of technology um, since you were a little kid or yep. no? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I started coding when I was a kid. So how did you get into coding? Like what was the, was it, was it playing games and that kind of was the, the gateway to computers in general or was there something else? I've been into into computers since I was a kid. I think for me, it was as a shy, introverted kid, it was my gateway 
into being able to make things. So I remember playing playing video games as a kid, and I was just super into everything, just enamored by video games. And I was like, how are these things made? So one of the things that, you know, I'm in the business of curiosity, Nick. That's what I tell people all the time. So I've been curious since I was a little kid. So for me, being able to understand how these games got made and then learning that they were made with software development and coding. So then I started getting into that, started building computers. Um, you know, one of my first jobs was literally, um, I was cleaning the toilets for a, I, I convinced the, the guy at a local computer shop. Remember back in the day when people used to still build computers. I know, Nick, you and I are, yeah, no, some some not. of the the new the younger folks might not know that because they just buy everything off the shelf. But I basically <laughs> convinced a, a, um, a local computer store owner to let me basically shadow there, um, and you know get paid like minimum wage or whatever, and basically clean up the clean up the place, clean the toilets, clean the bathrooms, whatever. Really gross job, but it got me around computers. Um, and then I really quickly made friends with the people that were building the computers that were doing the you know, the diagnostics, repairing software, hardware issues, et cetera. And then from there, like just fell in love with it. So everything from software to hardware to um, just design and art in general was where my fascination for that came from. So I don't know if that so answers did, the question. Did you, use to build, did you use to build desktop computers when you were a kid? Oh, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so what was like the, the can you, can you share with us, this is going to be a really, really geeky for all the, all the nerds out there, but um, one of the desktop computers you built in the specs and the year you built it. The year I don't remember. I'd have to, I'd have to, um, how old were you? I was probably, um, well, I guess I can do the math on this and figure this out. I, I was probably 15, maybe 14 years old. If I had to guess 15. All right. About that. So, 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 so like somewhere in the nineties. Yeah. Somewhere in the nineties. Um, I was born in 82. So so I built at that time, um, I think it was a, wow, okay. it was either a Pentium 2 or a Pentium 3 um, PC uh, with a, I think I had an NVIDIA graphics card in there at the time because I wanted yep. it to be, you know, gaming compatible. Um, I had a... I had a high speed 56k modem in there because you nice, know you got yeah, you got, yeah. you got a but it was like the one that had the, the the higher baud rate so the upload was a little bit higher. I think it was a uh, Motorola um, Ethernet card or something like that. So I just I, I remember like you know again now we're getting we're probably losing lots of our audience right now with, with this with this talk. But yeah, no, I mean I, I am a full fledged nerd. Don't let the uh, the collar shirt which I put on for you fool you, Nick. No, but I, I think I, I bring it up because I mean, I know you're a technologist at heart and what you do now, you don't, you know, you own, you, you run a digital marketing company, but it really is based off of technology, right? And technology drives everything oh, you guys do. So totally. I just, uh, yeah, not everyone has built computer. Not all the kids build computers these days anymore because you can just buy a laptop. I think the hardcore gamers still do. But so was that computer job your first paying job working in that computer store or did you, or did you some, do something before that? That was my first like W two paying job. I mean, obviously yep. before that, um, I was always like fixing like family friends' computers and stuff. Like whenever they would download a virus or whatever, so yeah. um, my dad was always pimping me out to to his you know whatever friend or, or local person that we knew to basically help. You know, I spent most of my Saturdays helping people 
realize how to remove spyware or adware from their computers back when it was like, you know, now it's like you can Google anything. And, and but yeah, back then yeah. it was like, you know, being able to help someone you know, diagnose an issue on Windows 95 or Windows 98 or whatever it was like it actually required skill back then. Now it's a Google search, but yeah, you, yeah. Needed, a, you needed a computer guy to fix it or a computer guy, yeah. right? So that's right. the thing. So what did, uh, so, you, so you're in high school, you love computers. Was mm-hmm. your plan always to go to college to study computers or? Was, no, was, no, was, not at all. I wanted, I wanted to be a game designer. Plan. Oh, okay. I wanted to be a game designer. I was going to go out West. I got into a bunch of, um, really good schools actually. And, um, uh, to potentially go and explore that. And then sort of, you know, long story short, the, uh, the path took a different, a different direction, ended up at UConn, um, here in Connecticut, great school. Um, and that was sort of where the fork in the road for me started to, to show up. And I, I use that term a lot, Nick. And for those that are listening, uh, I'm a big person. I don't believe in, or my entire philosophy, my principles from who I am and who we are, um, for the multiple companies that I'm involved in or are a part of running, um, I always tell people to, to find their and. Um, so for me, what I mean by the fork in the road was I had a large group of people that wanted me to be a computer scientist and you know only go to school for engineering, computer engineering, software engineering, et cetera. Um, and then I was also very artistic, uh, specifically with digital media. So you know I taught myself Photoshop when I, I think I was like 11, 12 years old. Um, I got pretty graphically inclined from a very young age as well. So I had like all the communication design and art um, related folks kind of pulling me in that direction. And really it was that, that fork in the road where I had some decisions to make. And the decision that I made was I didn't want to go in just one of those directions. So I sort of forged a hybrid path forward. And um, I'm really glad I did because now it's very commonplace for people to have, you know, the STEM and STEAM kind of collaboration. Obviously one of the big things that you know, my co-founder Dave and I are a big part of is, you know, with, with bringing Holberton School here to, to New Haven, Connecticut. Um, so I'm an engineer at heart. And, you know, it's funny, like an hour before I jumped on this this webinar with you, I was writing code. I'm, I was teaching somebody how to use processing, which is a, you know, primarily based on Java, or but it, you can do it in different languages too. So for me, like every chance I get, I'm, I'm nerding out on something because I'm obsessed with learning. And it's just, that's the one thing I think that, um, all of the paths that I've taken have had in common is just always really being curious as to like, what's a different way to do something or what's, what's a way that I could connect these dots together, whether it be with code or pixels or uh, people or whatever that is. So now you're, now you're definitely striking my passion point for sure. So thanks for that. Well, no, I mean, and I think it's when you think of people that do computer science, right? I mean, I think it's, you obviously have to have, and, and, and it's funny because Sina who mentioned there was an echo, Seen as a computer science uh, person himself, that I, that I know, it, it takes a certain type of person to be a computer scientist and understand how all this works, right? Not everyone, you know. I think, I almost think sometimes we we underestimate how difficult it is to be a computer scientist and what it takes to go into it. But um, you know, and and to do do the craft well, right? So I mean, I think you a lot of people can code, but to be like an actual software engineer, I think are two different things, right? Just because I think, you know, if you're designing really complicated systems, there's a lot that goes into it. So when you were at UConn getting, you know, you, you didn't get in, you didn't go into game design, you went down the computer science route. At what point did you realize that you were going to start your own company that turned into digital surgeons, right? Because was that, was that your plan all along? Was you were going to go off and start your own company or was, no. what was, if you, if, if you look back to college, what was your, your plan for a job when you were done with school? 
So it's interesting. So I, I want to answer your question, but through through a different lens, that I think the viewers would, would really find helpful, especially knowing um, some of the folks that are that are tuning into this tonight. So the first thing that I think any entrepreneur does is most entrepreneurs either create a business out of necessity, right? So they need to find a way to survive or thrive, or they see a problem in the world that they just really, really want to fix that's not being um, serviced or solved in a way that they believe that they could solve it. So from my perspective, um, I would say from a young age, I always had many of the traits that you see in uh, in entrepreneurs specifically. So the curiosity, the drive to the drive to novelty, and being able to create something new uh, and unique. So um, to answer your question, when I always assumed that I would end up, you know, at some big company um, and helping them, you know, forge a path forward. Um, one of the first places I got my my kind of start or opportunity was working with a lot of um, large organizations and corporations, right? So working with ESPN, working with some larger ad agencies, um, that was where I really discovered that this digital thing that um, I knew how to do um, was a really unique skill. And it was, I didn't think it was unique because that's how I spent all my nights, all my weekends. Like for me, that was life. And I think to a large degree, it still is, right? Um, and I think that that passion for where I wanted to take things, I didn't see it here, right? So I had a choice. I could go back, go to California, which I spent a little bit of time out there, but um, my friends are here, my family's here. Um, and there's just something special about Connecticut. I know you and I share that passion. It's one of the things that really helped create our, our friendship and, and our relationship, right? And ultimately, I wanted to bring all these different things together, problem solving, creativity, design, technology, engineering, and sort of bring them underneath one roof. And that's what I ended up doing with digital surgeons. And in the beginning, you know, it was much more like um, the sort of rebel spirit of trying to do something differently. But, you know, very, very quickly, Nick, what happened was people started wanting to get on that train with me. And I attracted some really amazing and talented people, some of which still to this day are, are with me and, and, you know, call digital surgeons their home. And, and some, some of which have gone on to do amazing things. You know, I have, you know, some of my early folks that were on the team, um, either as freelancers or full-time employees, you know, they're now doing amazing things. Some of them have, you know, technology businesses that they run or are a part of. Many of them have gone to work for large corporations and are doing really powerful, interesting, amazing things. So I think really just, I tell you that story because I don't, I want someone to hear this who might, might not be aware of where they're going, or perhaps they just got met with some massive amount of change because of this COVID-19 stuff, right? And now they're thinking about what they're going to do next, right? Mm -hmm. So the thing is, like, you paid me the, the best compliment. And I'm super grateful for it earlier, which I didn't have a chance to acknowledge until this moment. But, you know, you talked about accomplishments. You know, it's funny. I look at you and I see you as this, you know, extremely uh, talented and uh, successful, you know, organizational leadership coach and developer. And I, I look at you and your accomplishments and say, okay, wow, he, he's had his own business. He went, he's worked for a major corporation doing amazing things. So for me, I think I also have a bit of that imposter syndrome where when I hear someone say you're accomplished, I'm like, well, am I, am I accomplished? Like, I guess by what, by what score, right? Cause when I keep score, my internal score is like, you know, it's, I'm always 10 yards away from the touchdown. Right. So that's just, that's how I look at things. And I think that that desire to continue to progress no matter where I'm at, I think is the thing that keeps me curious and keeps me hunting and going forward. So I don't know if that's valuable and answers the question, but kind of sparked a passion for me, which is when everyone's going left, sometimes you have to go right. No, I think, I think that, I think a lot of things you said 
align with, with the way I think quite a bit. I, I think I wanna, I wanna get back to, so how did this actually begin though, right? So how did digital surgeons start? Because there's always fun stories about how, how companies began, right? So it, you graduated from UConn, you said you, you, you mentioned you had some other opportunities at some other uh, firms and ESPN included. How did you decide, well, how, how did you get hooked up with David Salinas, who was your co-founder, and how did you guys create digital surgeons? Like, do you, was it, you know, you each chipped in a, you know, a couple bucks and just, you know, started finding clients out of your, you know, basement or car or like what, what, how, how did this, how did this, uh, what was the birth of digital surgeons like, I think is what I want to know. <clears throat> well, it was a dark and stormy night. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> you know, I, I, it's, it's a great question and I'll be being in branding and marketing, you know, one of the things that I do for a living is, is help create behavior change for organizations and brands. Right. So I think there's a part of me that instantly wants to tell you this amazing story about this, this, this company that came together and was, you know, forged in fire and amazing things. But you know, the, the radical candorous truth here is digital surgeons was founded like most companies because I saw a need to solve the problems that people were having with digital and their organizations. The reason I named it digital surgeons was because I was always getting a um, very messy, I was inheriting a bunch of messy deliverables. So it was either poorly coded software or people that missed their deadlines or whatever it was. So I had to come in and um, we never use the surgeon metaphors at all with the brand. So whoever watches this on my team, you know, I'm, you know, don't, don't give me crap for it, but basically always getting in there, always having to basically be precise and take things apart, put them back together and make them better. Right. So that's where digital surgeons was born in the beginning. It was just me. Um, I had a childhood friend that I brought on as a developer. Um, he was you know, very accomplished, very young, talented coder. And it was me and him and everything else just had to figure it out. So it was, you know, it was a DBA before it was an LLC. It was a small thing. And it started out as simple as just making websites or building lightweight applications. So whether it be a web app or a native app, whatever it is, we built anything that people hired us to do. Um, in the beginning, it was, you know, just solving problems with design and code, right? Very much um, just passion for the craft and passion for making really interesting things on the internet. That was the, the real true reality of, of the origin story. Um, I think it didn't really become a business until I met Dave Salinas, right? And, um, and I hope he's tuning into this or watches this in the future because this is one of the few times I'll say some nice things about him. Um, so hopefully he hears it. Um, you know, I'm obviously joking, but um, so I met Dave Salinas because he is, is and always was a very much a serial entrepreneur. He had a number of different businesses that he was involved in. Um, that ran the gamut of different things. And one of the businesses that he had, he's, if you don't know this, Dave's really into music, um, so much that he wanted to you know, open up a studio. And it was just sort of a hobbyist side business that he had. It was never gonna be his full-time business, but he just had a passion for it, right? So like many things, he invested in his passion. He found some talented people. Turns out one of the people is very, very talented um, sound engineer, um, started was actually living with um, one of our creative directors and they were, they were good friends. And basically um, one person said to the other person, just like anything, it's not what you know, it's who you know, they said, Hey, you know, you got to meet this guy, Pete, you know, Dave, he, he knows about computers and stuff. And it, 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 literally that was like how he introduced us. Right. So I met Dave 
very anybody who knows you, Dave you, knows you can you can remove spyware from computers like you know computers absolutely yeah, yeah. so it's like uh, I could also write spyware and put it on your computer um, but that's a whole separate conversation for for uh, another night but but jokes aside so I think the what ended up happening there Nick was basically I met Dave and Dave saw a lot in me you know what he saw was a uh, I'm using his words not mine or right? these are things he said many times over the years We've been partners for over ten years we've started. I think over five companies together, um, you know, district, digital surgeons, the, the, the list goes on and on, right? Um, but what, one thing that happened was when Dave, Dave and I met, that's where he saw what could be a business on digital surgeons. He saw the skills that I had and that at the time that, that one other person had, and he was like, wow, I can sell this. You know, Dave's extremely strategic. He's a, he understands how to connect dots. He understands how to, to build relationships. These are all things, you know, a shy, introverted, you know, kid from Milford, Connecticut doesn't know about, right? So um, he, you know, the, the, we basically put together, you know, $5,000 in credit cards and the two of us sort of chipped in like you asked earlier and digital surgeons, the business that we know today was born. And by the, by the, the business we know today, what I mean specifically was he was out selling websites, marketing, um, applications, web applications, um, you know, we call it UI UX and customer experience now, but back then it was like helping people get their business on the internet, helping people make yeah. money on the internet. Right. So just to sort of take the buzzwords out. Um, and that was really the origin story of digital surgeons. And, you know, lo and behold, uh, we were blessed enough to, um, have a great partnership, which we still do to this day. Um, we've gone on to, to launch other things. Obviously now I'm, I'm sort of running digital surgeons and he's running district. Um, which is our tech and innovation campus in New Haven for those that aren't aware. And, and that's really been the origin story, the journey. And then from there, you know, brick by brick, we, we, we would add and add and add, um, brought on some incredible talented people to, to join and be a part of the vision and the mission. And, you know, now here we are today, you know, 14 plus years later, and we're working with, you know, startups that, that are getting funding. We're working with fortune fifties um, and everything in between. So, you know, we, we get to work with, some of the greatest people and the greatest brands and businesses in, on the planet. And um, it's a fun job, you know, but again, it's like anything, it's a roller coaster, right? And I think if, if we can all see one thing, it's, you know, right now with, you know, here we are at, in our homes, you know, we'd, we'd be on this show on our home regardless because of the time slot, right? But, you know, normally t tomorrow we'd all get up, we'd go to work, right? We'd go to, I'd go to my really awesome tech campus. You'd go to your big corporate job, Nick, and, um, but now tomorrow we're gonna we're gonna wake up and dig, right. you know dial in. So I hope that's helpful or informative to the group. No, it was, and I, I wanna. So I wanna I wanna unpack a little bit about the the last fourteen years and the ride with digital surgeons, right? So clearly the company's grown. You know, it was originally originally just you and one developer. Then you 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 hook up with with Dave. You guys grow. You add add more people. He's selling business. You know, you eventually move into a you know your own location, right? And 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 the company continues to grow. You are you are Dave's really the one out selling the business, and you're the one really I would say at the pie back at the shop, leading the actual creation of things. Is my understanding correct? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. no so, no question. So yeah, you're the one taking what Dave's selling, building it. You know, taking the vision and building it and turning it into reality. Which I think and driving is, up the the stock price of Red Bull and Starbucks in the process because typically Dave would you know 
Dave would bring me some very audacious challenges over the years. Yes, um, I can imagine. That um, were always fun to solve. So, you know, again, I, I got very cranky and my teams got cranky in the process, but I think it's that I wouldn't be where I am right now and I wouldn't have been able to work with everyone from Lady Gaga to Kanye West to some of the biggest um, leaders on the planet if it wasn't for someone like Dave just pushing the ever-living crap out of me. Um, I don't know if we can swear, so I'll try to not swear on this, but um, just pushing the crap out of me to, to make sure that me and our teams are pushing. I think what is really critical in anything is partnership. And partnership doesn't necessarily have to be in business, just in life, right? But um, but yeah, to, to answer the question, the ride was challenging. It still is, you know, it's still to this day, you know, now more than ever with everything with this COVID stuff. But um, I'm grateful for the partnership. I'm grateful for the opportunity to continue to forge a path forward that not a lot of people are doing. You know, there's not a lot of companies in, you know, the middle of Connecticut that do some of the stuff that we do. You know, lots of companies in California, Silicon Valley, New York, Chicago, not a lot of companies here that do it. And I think um, that to me, I have a lot of pride in. And it's it's a big reason I'm, you know, I work with you. Obviously, we talk a lot about Connecticut Comeback. A lot of amazing things happening in this state that I'm just so excited for the full potential show to be able to get this out there. You know, I watched a couple of your previous episodes and um, just getting ready for today. And you got some some awesome folks on there. So no, I appreciate that. So I want to I want to talk about the shift that happened in what maybe I think it was the past two years where, you know, Dave, Dave stepped away from digital surgeons to really focus on district and Holberton school and <laughs> pretty much left you in charge right, of digital surgeons. So you're, you're acting CEO now by yourself. Mm-hmm. How has that changed for you? Right. So how is your day to day and what you're responsible for changed with Dave pulling back and you leading the company now? Because you, you mentioned like your passion is like you're a you're a computer science guy, right? So now you're running the whole company. And you're not as probably not as focused on the delivery of, of the actual end product because you have so many other responsibilities as CEO. So, so tell us a little bit about how that's changed what you do every day and maybe how that stretched you as well. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it's it's definitely, it stretched me in a good way and it stretched me in a bad way. And I'll, and I'll, I'll be the first to tell you that. So let me just first start by um, clarifying one thing. I am by no means running digital surgeons by myself. I have an incredible, amazing fair, leadership fair. team that um, enable me in, in so many ways. So for any of you that that listen to this, thank you for, for all the work that, you've done to this day and all the work that you're gonna be doing in the future to keep pushing DS forward. Um, I think the the major shift, Nick, that happened when is that Dave and I were kind of like co-CEOs, right? We were both running the business together since day one. Um, while his responsibilities were primarily focused on strategic partnerships and, and business development, um, so a lot of sales and, and marketing and aspects of that, my focus at the time early when we were much smaller was on you know delivering the work product. So it was a combination of um, building the customer relationships, um, coming up with the solutions or strategies, whatever words you want to use, and then making sure that we're architecting the right um, campaigns to drive change or progress. So sometimes those are creative campaigns, sometimes they're technology campaigns. So Nick, when when David and I were partners, the nice thing about that is if you have um, 100 things come in, you can sort of chop them up and you know somebody gets 50 of them, everybody gets 50 of them or whatever those things are. Um, you know, One of the, the first things that I realized um, is in my career, I did not, you know, one of the things that I talk to you about a lot is understanding people and being a good leader. I didn't know what the hell that meant. 
And, you know, I think that um, David and I, you know, we're not MBAs from, you know, wherever. Um, so a lot of what we learned, we learned on the job. We made a lot of mistakes. Um, I, I did a lot of things I'm not proud of, um, just, you know, classic leadership mistakes. So one day, hopefully there'll be a book about that and hopefully I don't have to write it. Um, but the biggest thing I noticed when, when Dave, and I want to be clear, it wasn't stepping away. It was digital surgeons is a service-based business, right? So we provide a service for organizations, um, service businesses in themselves, the business model of them, um, doesn't scale because it's directly correlated to, to people. Um, so, you know, a, after you get to a certain point of revenue, um, profit becomes a function of just, you know, how do you manage your expenses and continue to drive revenue? You know, basic economics, very simple B-school equation, right? So the challenge there was what Dave and I realized was early on, going back about five years ago, we wanted to diversify our wealth strategy. So both from an economic perspective, as well as just a business model perspective. So we invested in a number of different ventures, some of which are still doing well to this day, some of which, you know, didn't go so well. So we experimented quite a bit. And I think um, what our strengths helped us realize was really where Dave is strong and where I'm strong and where we both want to play and don't want to play. So when David stepped away, the first thing I felt, Nick, was, um, you know, I felt, I felt a bit alone. I felt a bit overwhelmed with the fact that, you know, how am I going to, you know, be able to fill in the, the big, the, the, the big shoes that, that Dave, you know, filled in for so long as my partner and my, my co-founder. So I think that was the, the first struggle is realizing now that my role was going to evolve to one that was much more holistic, where every aspect of the business was one that now I needed to care for, whether I directly cared for it or, you know, hired folks or contractors or whatever it was to be able to help care for it. So, First thing I think was just a disproportionate amount of workload, um, which honestly almost killed me. I, you know, I, I, I a couple of years ago almost had a nervous breakdown, struggled with some mental health issues, which I talk about a lot because I think it inspires people. Mental health challenges are, you know, really prevalent in in people who have complex, you know, problem solving skills. So I see it a lot with designers, engineers, et cetera. Um, it's not specific to those industries, but I, I see it over indexes in those industries. So. For me, being able to you know find meditation and um, find good techniques for self care that was a critical thing. But the first thing I, I realized when I had to sort of unpack what now was mine to care for, because obviously we we're both owners in the organization. Right. Um, what I realized really quickly was I couldn't do it alone, and that was really what I realized was you know it's not these people serving me; it's me serving these people. And then by these people, I mean my employees, my clients, etc. So that was the big shift for me, Nick, that um, I have been just doubling down and to try to level up in, right? Because it's like I can code in 10 languages and, you know, design in 10 different programs, but trying to figure out how to deal with, you know, a pandemic where you have people who have small children at home and figuring out HR issues around that. And that's not my bag, right? So I, what I realized is... Um, and I'm just I'm talking present day, but obviously going back a couple of yeah, years. Of course. David's been David's been running district for I think a little over three years now, um, where he's not been an acting executive member of, of Digital Surgeons, but he's you know very much involved, obviously on the board and you know advising the company and very much aware of everything that's happening. And you know we still have to this day a tremendous partnership. So I just want to make sure I clarify that for anybody listening to this is like what we've realized is how do you make sure that you can focus on all these different growth levers. It's, a, it's about focus and it's about passion and putting people um, in the right seats in the bus like Jim Collins talks about in his great book, Good to Great. Yeah, you know, and I think you bring up you bring up a lot of good points. So, you know, I'm glad to hear 
that uh, you found a lot of techniques to help with the, the mental health, uh, you know, struggles you were having, which is, you know, I, I've shared uh, online as well. I deal with anxiety and I share that with people because I, again, I, I think that if, if people can see us and see that, hey, like we're, we're successful, normal people with productive lives and have mental health issues, then maybe the stigma will go away, right, is my hope. So, um, so you know, kudos to you for sharing that as well. But, uh, you know, you, you bring up a lot of really interesting points around focus and, you know, you, you realize, you quickly realize that you couldn't do this by yourself. And it's funny because I think, you know, you solve a lot of problems with technology. I'll tell you right now that people are way more difficult to figure out than, than technology, right? Because always, people are always the hardest part of any equation is what I've found. Um, and I, and I can, I can say that and, and laugh about it. Cause I, I, uh, I've, I've dealt with my uh, fair share of, of people, people challenges. So, <laughs> so complex so, adaptive systems, they, they, they yes. don't run, they don't run a standard IO loop where you can debug the code, you know, and no, just when you think, not. just when you think you figure them out, you know, a life change or something happens and a chemical happens up here and you're dealing with different things. So yeah, no, it's, um, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. No, that makes you laugh. So let, let's talk about so to digital surgeons. I mean, obviously you guys are, are, are really successful, but let's hear what would you consider your biggest success of your career with digital surgeons and then your biggest failure with uh, your career with digital surgeons? Let, let's hear, uh, let's hear the, the success and the failure, both sides of the coin. Yeah, no, that's a great question. It's, it's one that uh, I don't think about as much as I should have. So it, it, give me, give me a moment to process that. I would say my, my biggest failure really is um, realizing early on. So, you know, Nick, you introduced me to the, the Gallup Strength Finder, right? And um, we were, you know, had the, the privilege of being able to work with you and, and some of our leaders to be able to understand just what that is as a technique and, and how it can be applied. So um, for, for those of you that aren't aware of this, um, maybe you can explain it in just a moment, just because I think it'd be valuable for the audience to hear this, yeah. Nick. But specifically, I think um, my biggest, I would say, epic failure really was um, not realizing what my core strengths and weaknesses were early on. And I think that um, there's a lot of hubris and there's a lot of ego um, that many entrepreneurs have. Um, I think that um, as a software... Pause there for one second. You have to have an ego as an entrepreneur because if you didn't, you would never do something as crazy as start your own business. So I, I think you, ha you have to have that, right? Yeah. Amen. Amen. Um, but I say that because I think there was a lot of times in my career where um, I would sort of defer to, you know, being a martyr or a one man army. Um, and, you know, I did a lot of things that I think, early on. And I think I'm, I'm hoping that those that know me for a long time and have, have seen how I show up in, in, the, in recent times, you can see the, the contrast, I'm hoping. Um, so we'll, we'll see what comes out in the comments, right? But I think, you know, it's, it's an ever evolving thing. So the biggest epic failure, I would say, is not realizing um, what was or wasn't possible. And more specifically, where I should focus my energy and where David should focus his energy and where certain people on the team. Um, I would say the biggest mistake that I made I also helped lead to some of the happiest moments of my career, which is the first thing that I did when I got out of school and I started digital surgeons was I hired all my friends. And what that led to was um, 
a lot of some of the best moments ever, right? Because it's like you're working with your friends doing stuff. But now, still to this day, I'm having to right wrongs or mistakes, you know, when it creates a strife on a friendship or yeah. um, it creates a diversity problem, right? Because, you know, a lot of my friends were not from all over the parts of the world. You know, there wasn't a um, wide spectrum of, of gender diversity or different things. So being able to work through those things took years, quite frankly. So the foundation of something is such a critical thing. So I think my biggest failure is just making a set of mistakes based on or making decisions based on lack of information or lack of good judgment um, based on expertise, right? So when you're trying to figure this thing out, you make massive mistakes. So I would say that led to, um, you know, some some big setbacks for us early on. I think, you know, we, we would have achieved many of the goals that we set that we didn't achieve over the years had we taken that differently. So I think really it's just like, Getting out of my own way, um, I'd say, was probably one of the biggest failures. Um, you know, certainly there was you know, a couple of projects that that I'm you know I'm going to protect the innocent by not not putting those names out there. But I think there was a couple of projects that I knew in my gut that I should have walked away from, but I didn't. Um, and you know, over the years, that that took a uh, a financial or an emotional or a psychological. Um, toll on me and others that I'm associated with. So my employees, my contractors, et cetera. So I would say just big failures. Those, those are some of the big failures is just like not getting out of my own way and realizing where I'm strong and what makes us different and better. Um, you know, when you're building a business, sometimes um, all money looks the same. And if I can tell, if I can share one lesson with everyone that's going to listen to this now or in the future, it's not all money is the same. You want to go after smart money, go after purpose-driven money and, I know that's probably easier said than done right now where a lot of people are hurting and, and having a challenging time. You know, this is being recorded during the, you know, the COVID fallout, right? But um, before that, I would say that those were some of the bigger challenges. Biggest successes? So great question, Nick. I would say um, there's a couple of, of moments that play back in the, in the highlight reel when I, when I listen through. Um, you know, I think one of them was using the thing that I loved most to create opportunity. So as a designer technologist, I was very early on a lot of platforms, right? So um, Twitter at the time was not, you know, as, you know, widely used or aware of, again, you can say if you love it or hate it, doesn't matter. But, you know, I met our head of technology, you know, and one of my, one of my newest partners in digital surgeons on the internet, you know, in that, in that medium. So I think, you know, being able to have people like him, you know, come all the way from the UK here to America to help us build this business. And we've got many stories just like that, really just where we've attracted incredible people. Um, and we've gotten lucky because of just being in the right place at the right time. So I would say some of those moments are getting really great people on the team. Um, obviously, a lot of projects over the years stick out to me. I mean, you know, when we won the Webby for, for Gaga's workshop, obviously, that was that was incredible um, to be able to take my then girlfriend, now wife to you know, the, one of the coolest events in New York City and meet everybody, you know, I mean, like, I, the, the story that she tells everyone is Blake Lively told her she was pretty, it really did happen. My wife's gorgeous, <laughs> so that we we're lucky. But, um, but again, those are those are the kind of high point moments, right, that the, the sort of, but I, I don't want to, I don't want to make that about celebrity, because I think the problem with our industry right now, specifically marketing and advertising is that there is 
there is a veneer of of um, magnetism and, and attraction that comes with it that I think has a dark side too that we're probably not going to get to on this on this conversation. But I wanted to make sure I highlight it. But you know, some moments for me, I mean, being able to um, be one of the partners in district and and see us literally erect a campus from an old bus depot into one of the hottest places to be at in Connecticut. Um, and I can say that because I was just a tiny, tiny, tiny sliver of being a part of that. Right. So there's no ego about that. And I think, you know, being able to say I'm a partner in that and, and, and having really created a San Francisco like environment in, you know, New Haven, Connecticut, definitely one of my biggest uh, accolades um, that I would say, but really for me, it's, it's the, some of the good that I've been able to do. You know, like for me, like all those those big glitz and glamour campaigns, you know, again, I worked with some of the coolest clients on the planet that by, you know, celebrity terms, if you will, right? But for me, what gets me up in the morning is the work we're doing with Holbert in school, right? Who I know there's a couple of engineers on from the school right now, like being able to see that video and how much I'm affecting people's lives simply by putting it out there, you know, being able to speak at a conference with 400 people and have people come up to me after in tears telling me how much it meant to them that I, I mentioned mental health that they were struggling with and, and talked about techniques or mentioned, you know, the fact that I was, you know, a middle-class kid that, you know, grew up. I was one of the first kids in my family and extended family to finish college and go to college. Right. So, you know, there's a, there's a whole other side of that story. But for me, the stories that I remember are all the people I've helped. You know, I always say like what I, I'm an unlocker. So what I, what I aim to do for, for people and businesses is unlock progress. And that's why I love this full potential show, because for me, it's like, how do you achieve full potential? You need good partners. You need to be able to have access to people. So I'm trying to provide that access that I didn't necessarily have that I had to go and create. And I think David would say the same thing if he was on the show as my co-founder. Well, so I think it's, I think it's interesting. I appreciate you sharing those, those stories and, and, I think for anyone who hasn't owned their own business, it is such an emotional roller coaster. Like you said, it, the, the, the emotions, the highs, the highs are high, the lows are low, like nothing you've ever experienced in a corporate job because a corporate job is just so different from running your own business. So, totally. so I, I think you, I think you articulated that well and, and shared some of the, uh, to try to give people like a window into your world of, of being an entrepreneur. Uh, I think you bring up a really good point about, you, you mentioned Clifton Strengths, which for those that don't know, it's it's an online assessment that's uh, it's it's owned by Gallup, and you take a you take like about a forty five minute questionnaire, and, and it ends up sharing with you what are your you know you you should get your top five or your your full thirty four like what are your thirty four strengths, and the whole premise behind it is focus on your strengths, not your weaknesses, and if you focus on your strengths, you're going to be more successful both personally and at work, and right. you know I almost feel that between you finding out what your strengths are and and Dave also having this just you know unbelievable enthusiasm for who you are and what he thought you could do really pushed you in a direction that I that that I think has helped you be so successful right so i mean <clears throat> clearly he 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 thought highly of you and saw something in you that maybe you didn't even yourself realize <clears throat> that you had right no and question I, yeah. and i think it's sometimes you meet those people that just push you to do things that you never thought were possible or you never envisioned yourself doing. And then you do it and you're like, wow. Right. So, um, and I always, I always try to explain to people that that's what, 
you know, great friends, great business partners, great mentors, great, whatever you want to call these people, right? Uh, those, those people that inspire you, it doesn't matter who they are, where they come from, but sometimes that just, they just change you right for, for the better. So I, I love, I love how you kind of shared that. Cause I think that's really powerful. And, you know, I think back to what you said about you, you guys have had, obviously had a lot of success with digital surgeons and with, with district. And for those that don't know what district is, it is an innovation. I guess the best way to talk about it, it's an innovation co-working campus in New Haven, Connecticut. It's, I, don't, I can't remember how many square feet it is, but it's, it's, it's massive because it used to be a bus depot you guys converted. And that's where digital surgeons is now, now calls home as well as I can't tell you how many other companies and other, um, you know, people in the co-working space, but yeah, we've got over, we've got over a hundred companies there right now. Yeah. You guys have had so much success, but I love how one of the things that you mentioned that you really, I think enjoyed the most is helping people because I think it gets to the point where you're, where once you're successful, you know, how do you give back, right? How do you give back to, um, what, what others are, what, the Holberton's a great example of what you guys are doing is you're giving back with, by, by starting the Holberton School because you yourself saw how technology changed your life, right? And that's exactly what Holberton is doing is just changing students' lives by introducing them to technology and helping them become, you know, this, this, this sort of technologist. So, so you know, I, I appreciate you joining and, and obviously jumping on here and taking the time to, to be with us tonight. I know you have a lot going on with with digital surgeons, especially in the middle of a global pandemic. But I want to close with one, one last question. So I always, I always ask every guest, my last question is, what is that one piece of advice that you would give to my listeners that's helped you reach your full potential? So what is that one thing that has made Pete so successful during your, and I, I think you still have a relatively short career because you and I are still relatively young, right? We got a lot more time to work. So during your relatively short career, what is that one thing that's helped you be so successful? Yeah, I think um, it's a great question. So one of our core values at Digital Surgeons is adapt and respond. So I'm a, I'm a firm believer that the only constant in life is change. And I think people's ability to be more like a thermostat and less like a thermometer is a really critical thing. So what I mean by that, for those that haven't heard me use that metaphor, so if you think about a thermometer, a thermometer just reads the temperature. Right. So it reads it reads the situation around it and it reacts to its environment um, versus a thermostat that you set the thermostat to a particular temperature, whether it's higher or lower. And much like a conductor of an orchestra, it sets the cadence. Right. It's it's the drumbeat that um, allows things to happen. So to answer the question, I think it's critical that you understand the things that you do want to do. And in order to get to that, sometimes you have to understand the things you don't want to do. Right. So um, I made the mistake a long time ago of telling someone that they need to find their passion. It was the worst advice I ever gave because the person said to me, well, that's easy for you to say, cause you know what you're passionate about. And I, I got corrected and humbled very quickly. So what I would say is you're going to fail. You're going to fall down. You're going to get your ass kicked. Life is going to kick your ass, whether it's in business or personal or love or whatever it is. And it's not about how you behave or how you act and react when you fail. It's about how you respond after that, right? So I think the one thing that I would say, which continues to have me get back up every single day, and God knows I've got my butt kicked a number of times in, in all walks and talks of life, I think it's a willingness and a desire to fail and continue to fail forward over and over and over again. I think what we, we glorify in this country and in the world 
is these unicorns, these overnight successes. Um, when the reality is, you know, most of these businesses are 10, 20, 30 years old in some cases that we call overnight successes. So what I would say to anyone watching, the best way to achieve full potential is to put in the effort and put in the work. And what I mean by that is to always be in a state where you are adapting and responding to your environment and you are adapting and responding to the things that are in front of you and that are around you. So if you, if you go into it eyes wide open and you put in that effort and you don't just react negatively. So I, I was talking to someone this weekend, they just recently lost their job and um, they've been out of work for over two weeks. And I said, well, what have you been doing? And they said, well, I, I just got through three, three seasons of Ozark on Netflix. And I said, okay, well, what do you think you're going to do next? You know, that I want to hold space for you. Like that makes sense. You know, like you need some time to disconnect. I I don't know what that's like. I, I, I'm going to listen. And then I said, well, what do you want to do next? And the person's, you know, for two weeks has been just binge watching TV at home without, without work. And this is something I have extremely high esteem for. And if you listen to it, hopefully you finish listening to what I'm about to say about you without using your name. And I said to the person, I said, what is it that you want to do next? And they said, I don't know. And I said, well, what are you doing about it? What are you doing about it is the question I always ask people. It's like, if you're not happy, what are you doing about it? And I think that that's the problem that most people are going to face. Why they don't reach their full potential is that they're afraid to try, they're afraid to fail, and they're afraid of what people think about them. And they'll look, I really care. I care too much what people think about me. But, but one thing that I will say is I haven't even come close to reaching my full potential yet. But I think the only way for me to do it and the only way I've seen others do it is by just continuing to adapt and respond and be that thermostat, not the thermometer. So I hope that's helpful for, for those listening to it. Um, Nick, super, super grateful for the time. Um, I'll talk to you anytime. So we don't have to be on live stream to do that. But no, that's, um, no, I know. Great. And I appreciate I think that's I think that's great. Absolutely fantastic advice. And I, I think you're you're 100 percent right that people are afraid to fail. And I even see it in my uh, in my second grader. He, he's afraid to get just homework wrong, right? He, he's so nervous about getting, I'm like, don't worry about getting it wrong. I'm like, I get stuff wrong all the time. You learn from it. And I, I try to explain that to him. I'm trying to, hope, I'm trying to ingrain that in him at a young age that failure is okay, right? But, but you know, we're taught in school that failure is not okay, you know, yeah. for, for so many years. So I, I think, I think that great advice. I, I really appreciate you sharing. I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate everything you're doing for, for Connecticut with, with, digital surgeons and district and Halberton. And, you know, just, you know, I, I I'm, it was, it was such a great conversation. Um, and again, thank you for everyone uh, who, who joined us and for everyone who listened on the, uh, uh, on the live stream and listened on the podcast. And if you want to get in touch with Pete, so we're going to make sure we have a, uh, we'll, we'll have your link to your LinkedIn right in the, uh, in the show notes and the show description, Pete, as well as your, the link to digital surgeons and we'll link to district as well. If anyone wants to check out district in New Haven. So Thank you for joining. I appreciate it and uh, wish you and uh, Digital, Digital Search is the best. Thanks so much, Nick. And I would just say for the, the audience as well, um, if you guys have any questions, if you want me to elaborate on anything that we talked about tonight, you know, like Nick mentioned, just shoot me a note. Um, you know, I'll, I'll try to get back to you as, as soon as I possibly can, but I'll definitely get back to everyone that reaches out um, and just try to help however I can. So thanks so much, Nick. Um, wishing you and your family um, continued health and if, if nothing else, if you ever want me to talk to your second grader about um, failure, I'd be more than happy to. So I appreciate that. Thanks, Pete. Awesome. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Full Potential Podcast. If you'd like to hear more interviews, please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform, including Apple Podcasts, Google, and Spotify. 
You can also connect with us on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And don't forget to check out our website, fullpotentialmovement.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing and be well.